morning and welcome to the Mining Stock Daily with me, Paul Harris. Today we're talking about gold in Ontario in uh, Canada and I'm joined by Dan Wilton, CEO of First Mining Gold. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Paul. Great to, great to speak to you today. Thank you. Um, you're advancing the, the spring pole uh, deposit towards feasibility, but uh, the news out this morning was something different. You've got uh, other sort of gold exploration properties in Quebec, and you've just done a, a, a series of transactions, concurrent transactions, that's really sort of strengthening your positioning there. Um, give us a sort of brief overview of, of what, what's happened. Yeah, so we're very excited to announce today uh, our uh, intention to consolidate uh, all of the, the Duparquet project in Quebec, uh, which we've owned uh, between you know ten and twenty percent of uh, over the the last six and a half years. Now, First Mining acquired an initial interest in this project by acquiring Clifton Star uh, back in 2016, and Clifton Star had advanced the Duparquet project. A lot of people have kind of forgotten about this because it fell off the radar, but this really was a very high profile project in kind of 2009, 2010, 2011. Um, this is a project that saw 260,000 meters of drilling in between uh, 2008 and 2014. Um, you know, a project that went to pre-feasibility study, uh, had an advanced uh, metallurgical program done on it. Um, a very thorough metallurgical program done on it uh, and you know a, a very thorough environmental baseline study having been done in that time frame as well so you know this is a project really sitting kind of at pfs level um clifton star wasn't able to finish its option payments and so that's sort of the time that first mining had acquired it uh, but it was it was a different time right a lot of people forget that but you know, the Clifton PFS was put out uh, in a gold price environment. It would be Canadian dollar gold price environment of about 1200 And so you fast forward to today and even, you know, with a little temporary pullback in gold price here, it's, it's not quite but almost double. So uh, this is, you know, this is a, a 5 million ounce plus project. And we have a couple of other projects. Um, just uh, just to the east of there are Pitt and Duquesne projects. So I think this really is for the first time unifying this district into um, you know one significant project, which you know stacked up today would be the fourth largest gold project in Quebec. Okay, thank you. Um, as you mentioned, uh, this brings the resources to 3.3 million ounces measured indicated plus another 2 million inferred in the region as and when these things, uh, these transactions complete. Um, so this will be your, your second project and uh, you indicated in the press release that, uh, you know, some of the initial work there will be, I guess, proving up or re re reconfirming some of the things you've just mentioned about uh, sort of the pre-feasibility study work. Uh, can you sort of give us a little bit more detail about what the plan there is and also how from a corporate point of view, how this fits in to first mining gold. You've got spring pole moving towards feasibility. This seems yep. to be a good second string project coming on, or potentially if you sell spring pole, then you know you, you're left with this. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a really good point, and I think this you know this is a, a real vote for the longer term for us and for our team. Um, uh, so the work plan is. Um, Really going back, we've done a lot of work to understand the data that's there. 
Um, I think in the reasonably near term here, we can see a, a resource update um, based on, you know, understanding um, some of the, the drilling that was done even between 2014 and, and 2018, 2019, that's not been incorporated in a resource before. So a resource update, some uh, preliminary scoping studies to understand and, and really just take a fresh look at how this development could unroll because this is a very interesting resource sitting in the heart of the Abitibi. Um, you know, it's an open pit resource, uh, you know, with a grade of gram and a half plus. And inside that there is a higher grade, lower strip, you know, kind of starter pit that I think we can start looking at as well. Um, you know, the metallurgy is complicated, it's refractory. And so that was something that Clifton Star spent a ton of time on. I don't think we have to recreate the wheel there. I think we have a good sense of what a what a flow sheet might look like. But just starting with a couple of the real trade-offs, because part of what you know, the other part that that we need to really get started on here is re-establishing that environmental baseline. Um, this is a project that was a past producer. Um, in fact, the Beatty Gold Mine was the largest gold producer in Quebec in nineteen the nineteen thirties. Um, you know, a, a long and storied history, but it's also left with it a, a bit of environmental legacy and that this was, uh, they had a roaster on site. There is uh, some arsenic trioxide roaster dust that needs to be managed. We spent a lot of time thinking about what are some of the game plans uh, there that we could employ. I think everyone recognizes um, this is, it's a project very similar, interestingly, to the Hard Rock project in Ontario that's in construction right now. Uh, Hard Rock had a very similar situation as a past producer, you know, arsenic trioxide roaster dust buried all over the property. <clears throat> you know, at, at Duparquet, it's it's all contained. We sort of know where it all is, um, which is a, a slight advantage. But you know, our the interesting thing, Paul, is our team on the environment and community relations side, led by Steve Lines, actually permitted Hard Rock. So they took Hard Rock from scoping study to construction permits and have dealt with just about all these same issues before. So that's one of the things that's got us really excited here is we understand a game plan that's going to work. Okay. Now, um, it's interesting you sort of mentioned this Abitibi. There's, you know, the, 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 there has been quite a, a bit of M&A activity in the Abitibi over the last three, four years. Um, is this potentially a, a first step, you know, consolidate... The, the area around where you already are and then use that perhaps as a springboard into other properties um, in the Abitibi region? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, from where we are, which sits kind of between Rua Naranda and um, I call it uh, Lasar, kind of the Casa Berardi break to the north, um, there are a number of projects around us that I think uh, as you're starting to to think about what the opportunities look like, um, you can start looking at. I just think, you know, we have such a such an opportunity with the size and scale and robustness of this resource that we're starting with. That I think the first thing we want to do is scope a little bit of, you know, what's uh, what's inside our own control. But it's definitely on the game plan here, um, much like you've seen us do at Springpole over the course of the last year, year and a half to really build out the exploration potential here. Because it's another thing, honestly, Paul, that is really almost untapped. This is a resource that is open to depth, 
It's open along strike. Uh, there's, you know, not to mention just those, but you know, the satellite deposits like we have at Duquesne and Pitt, there are a number of other projects in and around us that have resources that ultimately could be satellite feed, could be small pits, could be higher grade underground deposits that start coming in. And, and when you start getting, uh, thinking a little bit further about if you were going to process uh, the refractory material on site, which is one of the things that that Clifton Star had scoped, um, it does open up a whole lot of other opportunities for projects that are kind of currently being overlooked because of similar metallurgy. So yeah, uh, listen, first steps first. Like let's get this uh, get this uh, offer made, and we'll get this offer closed. Um, have this project consolidated in, start with a lot of that really important work of establishing the baseline on the environment side and start with, uh, with kind of getting a sense of the, um, the economics of the project and, and what we think is going to be a really robust project here. And then, uh, you know, at the same time, we'll have a look around the region and see what else might make sense. Thank you, Dan. Now, as, as you do the, um, the the resource update and some of the initial scoping words, is, is there the sort of danger, you know, I, I want to sort of get how this fits with Springpole. As you do the scoping on this and get, uh, you know, get your, your fingers into it and better understanding, um, to what extent is there the possibility this could become a, a more attractive project than Springpole or is it, um, you know, give you that champagne problem of, you know, where'd you focus? Paul, you're about to ask me uh, which of my children do I love more. You know, like I, I you can't ever, uh, you can't ever give a, a suitable response to that. No, so I, I think what's interesting about the timing of Springpole is we've just completed uh, and published our draft environmental assessment. So we are in a window right now where that uh, draft is uh, being reviewed by regulators. You know, we are. Um, moving forward and trying to find the right, uh, the right path uh, with the indigenous communities around us in terms of how they want to review the project, uh, making good progress on that front. Um, so, you know, we're, we're in a period where, um, you know, the team has a bit of capacity in order to kind of start something that is going to be from an environmental perspective, still, you know, two or three years behind Springpole. But we definitely see the opportunity to, to advance both of these projects at the same time. You know, Springpole, we're kind of rounding the corner on the feasibility. So again, to take a step back with, you know, with what we've learned in the process we've gone through at Springpole, I think we have a team with a great capability to kind of run this to ground here. Um, so yeah, we're we're not uh, we're not concerned about uh, about having to advance both of these projects at the same time. One of the things that's really important to know um, is that, you know, these are projects where the resources are really well defined. So when you look at a lot of other 5 million ounce projects, there's a lot of them that are still going to need, you know, $50 million of infill drilling for you to really understand what's there to, to go into a PFS. You know, this is, uh, Duparquet was, has a, a PFS done on it. You know, it's sitting with, you know, 3 million ounces plus of, uh, of uh, indicated resource. So there is a substantial amount to kind of start on a, on a PFS level study. Um, so, you know, I think the, the dollars we're going to spend are going to be exploration dollars trying to prove out larger geologic concepts that just reinforce 
that these are critically strategic and rare projects in the industry. I mean, you know, we're now sitting with first mining gold with, uh, you know, a foot in two of the best uh, jurisdictions for mining in the world between Ontario and Quebec. Um, we've got, you know, two projects that are, you know, globally significant. And I think that, you know, that puts us in a pretty unique position here moving forward. Okay. And, and the company's strategy is to become a producer. And I, I think it's perhaps pertinent here to bring in your, your related company, uh, First Majestic Silver. Uh, Keith Newmeyer is your chair. He runs First Majestic. Um, interesting also that uh, um, a while back they bought Jarrett Canyon, um, which has refractory or processing capabilities. You've perhaps got some knowledge share um, you can sort of call on there. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that uh, is certainly an avenue that we investigate going forward. I think that's another thing that people hadn't, hadn't particularly appreciated. Uh, and it's something that, you know, we're, uh, we're running to ground right now. Because um, part of the issue is we, like, we, we may not need to build refractory or processing capability. And I think with that connection with the, uh, with the processing facilities at Jared Canyon, you know, the Duparquet sits uh, 30 or 40 kilometers from a railhead. Like it's really not that far. Uh, when you look at the metallurgy, it concentrates really well into a high grade concentrate, which would mean, you know, you can, uh, you can uh, afford uh, some element of shipping costs and getting it to a place where it can be processed. So again, these are all the trade-off studies, Paul, that we, that we really uh, have to dig into here as we move forward. But it's, it's, very exciting. Um, in terms of our own strategy to become a producer, you know, again, first first things first. I think from from our perspective, the real focus is at Springpole, you know, go through the environmental assessment process, which we're, you know, we're well into now, finish the feasibility study. And I think you make that decision on a project of the size and scale of Springpole when you have the ability to make the decision. But the first thing we need to do is get to the point where we can make that decision. Um, and similarly, I think with Duparquet, it, uh, it opens up an opportunity for us to, you know, really thoughtfully scope a project that is going to be big and significant to this industry, sitting smack in the middle of, you know, one of the most sought after gold camps in the world. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to surface value um, and some interesting avenues around this that could accelerate a move to being a producer with some of these assets. But again, you know, first things first, you got a lot of work to do before we're uh, before we're pushing the button on a construction decision. Okay, thank you. Now, there are many ways to surface value. Uh, building a mine and operating a mine profitably is one. Um, selling a project onto somebody else is another. Um, as you mentioned, the Abitibi region is uh, very sought after. Um, and there has been M&A activity there sporadically over the past few years. Um, there hasn't been a great deal of M&A activity this year in, in, in general terms in the gold space. Um, despite the fact that uh, gold equities, you know, the, the, the valuations keep falling and falling and falling, uh, the, the price per ounce or, or market cap per ounce or whatever um, gets lower and lower and lower. So the, the opportunities potentially seem to be getting better and better for anybody that's got a checkbook. Why aren't we seeing more M&A? Uh, it's a good question. I, I ask myself that question as well. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the larger companies have been... Uh, have been doing deals, maybe not big blockbusters, but 
certainly, you know, in our neighborhood in Springpool, you saw a great bear get bought uh, this year. So, um, you know, you have seen, as you say, uh, uh, quite a bit of activity in uh, in Quebec and in the Edmonton specifically. Um, listen, I, I think uh, if you just look back in history and, and you know, my background, I was a corporate finance guy for 20 years and a principal investor for five. Um, big companies tend to act pro-cyclically, right? Like, uh, and we're at a point now where they're generating unprecedented free cash flow, um, uh, even with a slight pullback in the gold price and some margin compression. This is still going to be unprecedented levels of free cash flow in the gold industry. So I think when you when you look at that, um, you know, the the first thing that uh, that large mining companies did with their cash flow is improve balance sheets and put themselves in positions where they can fund their future capital. But we're now at a point where big companies have to look at their pipelines. And a lot of those pipelines look pretty empty. And when they look around the world, um, you know, some of the things uh, like great assets that they've had further afield kind of haven't worked out all that well. If you look at, uh, you know, Centera, uh, you look at even some of the, you know, political challenges that we're seeing in South America in some places that, you know, it just seems to kind of be getting harder all over. There's one thing that, that we're very excited about with our portfolio. We always have been. And now I think this acquisition really further cements that there is real value to big globally significant scale projects in tier one jurisdictions. And we've got that with Springpool. We've got that with Duparquet, or we'll have that with Duparquet when the when the deal closes. So even though I mean I, I know all the big companies are looking, they continue to look. I think there's uh, there's an element of gun shyness a little bit um, in that not a lot have been willing to make big stretches for for really strategic moves. Um, a lot of the kind of mid tier and larger have been looking at more of the you know, Goldfields, Yamana type transactions, then they have been looking, uh, uh, looking more at adding the development project. And I think for the projects that are in construction, no one has wanted to take them on until we see, uh, uh, everyone gets a better understanding of the real kind of construction cost inflation environment. So I think just as the gold prices run up, then the construction cost and, you know, not wanting to take the development risk. A lot of larger companies are sitting waiting for some of these things being built to fall over and get them cheap or work and pay more for them. But there is this generation of projects that's in construction or going into construction right now. And I think when you look beyond this generation of projects, the cupboard is pretty bare. And that's one of the things that we're super excited about with Springpool is that, you know, um, yeah, and, and now with Duparquet as well, like this is something that really could be the leading projects of the next generation and in great jurisdictions. And again, you know, I think we have a lot of opportunity to make them better between now and then through focused exploration, through demonstrating geologic, in, you know, in improving and increased geologic potential, and then through consolidation around us as well, as you've seen us do at, uh, at Springpole with that. Bertucci land package, which is now, you know, 70,000 hectares and true, true district scale.
Excellent. It sounds like there's a, a lot of exciting things to come at both projects and in both regions. First, Mining Gold trades on the TSX under FF and on the OTCQX under FFMGF. Dan Wilton, um, CEO, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, Paul, thank you, and we'll look forward to chatting again soon. And that's all from me, Paul Harris. Join us for more from Mining Stock Daily soon. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.